Yeah, hello everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of the One Mate One Dude podcast. I'm Bill, the dude from the US, and I'm Joe, the mate from the UK. Today we have our very first uh, guest on. Uh, his name is Matt, and he is an English teacher abroad. And he's just going to be talking about some of his experiences and and some of the uh, culture differences that he's dealt with in his um, in his time abroad and in specifically China. That is. Yeah, I really enjoyed this uh, podcast. I think you know we we go through uh, his perspective of being a white teacher in China.、Um, We went through some of the the pay differences and some of the stereotypes that he's experienced when he was there.、Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. And we kind of mentioned some of the the drinking side of things, right? And compared yeah, that to the UK. Yeah, just just the things that you can do in in、uh, China compared to the UK. It's just the costs are are, are ridiculous. So definitely want to stay tuned、uh, for for what、uh, we talk about here.、Um, but right. Yeah, and if I suppose you're in a position at the moment where you're thinking of teaching abroad,、um, or maybe you know visiting China, perhaps this might be a good episode for you to tune into、um, and learn about you know someone else's experience there. Absolutely,、uh, whether it's China or whether it's、uh, it's any foreign country, whether in, in South America, Asia, wherever, we definitely want to、um, sort of. Encourage that that you sort of expand beyond your horizons,、uh, but right. So I guess we'll cut out we'll cut off the cheesy talk here and just go ahead and give you a listen. All right, enjoy. Enjoy, guys. All right, Matt.、Uh, first and foremost, we do want to thank you so much for joining us today.、Um, but right, I guess、uh, we may as well dive. Right into, I guess, what what you do and and、uh, your experiences in in、um, in China here. So, I guess, could you run through、um, what what you do?、Um, I guess with with your experience in China, Matt. Well,、uh, thanks for having me on.、Um, yeah, so I am a teacher. I've been teaching in China for about four years,、um, mainly English, but a bit of science, a bit of math. Uh, currently, I'm in the UK because of COVID, and I'm mainly just teaching online until I can get back. Sweet.、Uh, got a pay bill <laughs> somehow, haven't you? What's going on in China at the moment? Like, how come it kind of drove you back here?、Uh, so obviously, COVID hit、uh, very early in 2020. I came back in the summer last year, in sort of August time. Um, mm. And then,、uh, obviously, what happened in Europe carried on right through the winter. So、uh, I've been stuck here ever since, pretty much. And、uh, basically, China's—I'm just waiting for China to open up the、uh, visa office, so I can apply and go back out there. Right. I, I think that's such an interesting、um, role that, that you have, Matt. Because most—I don't think most people would would see. China is a place that they would want to be、uh, necessarily.、Um, I guess, what sort of brought you to that experience, and I guess how how did you really、um, get into the、uh, the English teaching field there? One hundred percent. Well, for me, I I didn't even really consider China for years. It was only whilst I was at university, I、uh, got offered to study abroad, like as an exchange year, 
for a year um so i went over to study and then was there um bill you actually helped me yeah to get my first teaching job out there and just loved loved oh, the job loved right. the ideas and uh ended up staying on and never looked back that's a classic you know study abroad story isn't it oh 100%. he's converted there is it? Uh, it? Yeah, I, I don't know how many people go abroad and then they they become. I I mean, they become spiritual. They become spiritually <laughs> awakened and and especially awakened with their career. Uh, Brett, I guess I guess Matt, I guess what sort of drove you to to stay in in that uh, that industry? There was it um, was it because of the the income that it provided you, or um, was it the experiences with? Um, with your students um, I guess uh, could you tell us a little bit about that yeah so uh, what you were saying that made me laugh is you see that on every YouTube video about study abroad you can you can discover yourself <laughs> find yourself right yeah oh, find it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me like salary definitely played a big part in it like I I'm in my last job I was earning more than I'd earn in the UK in the same job with a much cheaper sort of um cost of living uh the big thing is rent your rent is usually covered as a uh, foreign employee over there which i don't know about the states but i know definitely in the uk rent is 50 percent of most people's paychecks oh wow yeah it's no, quite it's quite chunky that's insane yeah um my area for example i live in norwich i come from norwich and um even sort of like a, two, a one two bed apartment, you're looking eight hundred pounds a month. What was that about nine hundred thousand dollars? Probably a bit more. Yeah, about there. Yeah. Around that, I, I mean, for I don't do for that. a house though, right? For a couple of bedroom house. No, not in Norwich. Like Norwich is super expensive. Um, Norwich. Yeah, man. We considered uh, because we're within two hours of London. Right. The prices are just ridiculous. I think. Approximately, yeah. Uh, let's see. The joys of Google. Yeah, have a little look. Because I know London, you can get a room for like 700 quid, I think. Oh, you can get a That's garage a in London for a grand. <laughs> get a little shed. <laughs> Yo, what about New York? New York, um, cost of living or, or rent? Um, yeah. Yeah, rent. So typical, it definitely depends on, on how much you're making, but say the place I have now is right around um, 1100 per month. And that is probably like, I definitely would not say that's close to a half of half of my monthly income. But wow. I think, I think if you're looking for like a very like suave um, studio type place, that would be at least um, 2.5 K probably in Manhattan. Just going back to the idea of the, uh, your study abroad, if you hadn't have done that, do you think you would, you know you would end up somewhere else is that fair to say difficult question i definitely don't think i'd have ended up in china right um perhaps perhaps somewhere else perhaps south america other places in asia anywhere but the uk right oh 100 because because i know like some of my teachers mentioned about their salaries and they're quite miserable about it sometimes and you know I feel like in the UK they definitely deserve more pay than than they're usually getting. So, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. Um, UK teachers are classic story: overworking, underpaid. 
but mm. because um obviously uh, teachers get a long holiday you know you've got the 13 week break over the year they're expected to make up for that within term time so mm. their salary is pro is provided at 40 hours per week as such but during term time you're most likely expected to do 60 70 80 hours a week a lot of teachers which if you're single and don't do you know haven't got a family or anything is doable if if a bit stressful but as soon as you've got family involved and stuff you you find you you're spending your whole time caring about other people's children than your own <laughs> yeah that's, that's a fair point um but matt just coming back to you mentioned cost of living here um, i guess just to give i guess our listeners sort of a, a background i can actually i just wanted to uh, i guess give the comparisons of say like uh, utilities in the UK, I can see on average are what it's, that's, um, it's 150 pounds. That's, I, I believe it's, this is per month. And then in, in China, just to give a comparison, it's around 40 pounds for, for, uh, electricity here. And then yeah, I, I was spending about 20 pound a month on electricity, gas and water. Combined. Yeah. All, all those combined that, which is absolutely wow. insane. Um, and, just uh, based on also in the UK, like China's um, normal one bedroom apartment it's, is about half the price of, say, a normal uh, one bedroom in the UK. So that's uh, about 750 in, in pounds in uh, in the UK. And then in China, it's about 350. Um, so e- even less than than um, half of, of what you would pay. Um, and if you, if your company is paying that for you, Matt, then I guess that that's a great deal for you, especially if if they're even paying you more just because, you know, you, you teach English, um, and I guess there's also a racial dynamic. Um, I guess we could start off by I guess you met, you did mention like I guess how you got into it, Matt. Uh, maybe we could I guess talk about I guess. Yes. Do you, do you want to take that story? I feel a bit guilty. I feel, I feel like not at all. Like, I, I think it's being. <laughs> I think it's just being upfront, and I think in the end, I ended up ended up uh, where I wanted to, because I was definitely not going to do do um, teach English for, for a while, um, for especially as a long term thing in China. Uh, but right, it, I story, guess. What story is this? <laughs> right, I, I guess. I guess uh, Matt, you can. Uh, I guess Matt, you can elaborate around my crimes so yeah um we're both me and bill we met in china and we were studying at the same university and um just one day i get a random text i'm out um i i'm busy this weekend but i've got this uh, part-time job teaching do you, would you cover for me and i've done a bit of teaching practice back in uk so i was like yeah no problem that's that's fine did it and then uh gone well with the uh with the boss did the classes got offered a few more classes and then i hear a few months a few weeks or months later that uh bill may may no longer have his job oh, <laughs> right so it was um so i was working uh, with this guy we'll, uh, we'll call him um we'll call him eddie okay um so eddie okay. eddie is also i guess is a girl's name i don't know um yeah. or or uh, I don't know, or both. You know, nowadays it's it's getting more and more complicated. Um, but right, so we we had Eddie here. Um, he, my friend, actually helped me get the job through him, and then I helped another friend um, from. I I think he was from 
somewhere in South Africa. Um, but right, so both of us were, were sort of helping him teach English. And then um, the, I guess, when, when I had to take that day off and then I, um, I referred Matt and then after Eddie found Matt, um, he was pretty much like to, to me and, and um, my, other, my other friend, um, he was pretty much just like, fuck off. So I think um. he, found, he found what he was looking for in, in Matt, I guess, um, because I guess we, we could also give a little bit of context in, in China. If, if you're, I guess, if you have a Caucasian background and you're able to somewhat even, you know, not even, you don't even have to be, you know, fully fluent in English. As long as you're able to like, I guess, sound like you, you're, you speak English, you're, you're able to get that opportunity. Um, so, um, not, I, I, I have no, no type of animosity towards, um, those type of people. It's just the way it is. Cause it's just like, um, say in the U S or the UK, um, say you and I Joe could probably get paid more for, for teaching Mandarin or Cantonese. Um, I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's a guess, but, um, but, um, in China, I think there's, um, there, there's definitely a very large, uh, field for, for English teachers, specifically from, um, specific background. Um, and I think that that's definitely a great opportunity for those, uh, who would want that experience. Um, but yeah, I guess that's, um, Matt, you definitely shouldn't feel guilty about that. I think it's just the way it is. And I, and like, you know, like in, in China, there's no really like, I don't want to say there's a huge, um, disregard for, for, I guess, social, um, rights, if, if that's what, what we want to call I think, it. I don't think it's necessarily that. My perception is that, um, a lot of the people that are actually funding the schools, you know, the parents, the grandparents, A, don't speak any English themselves and B, have grown up mostly in a quite a segregated environment there wasn't much travel uh, international exposure to um in china right up until the late 80s i think you know don't don't quote me on that <laughs> but mm. so a lot of parents they or not just parents but you know a lot of people just have this perception that they don't want their child just to learn english because anyone can do that they want the experience and right. the perspective of a right. mm -hmm. western influence which unfortunately a lot of the time seems to just translate to i want a white teacher mm. which you know it's it's one of those things uh you know it's good for me in a way you know it's allowed me to earn more than i would at my stage of my career but you do feel a bit uncomfortable. There's the, there could be some animosity between sort of a local teacher and a foreign teacher. Vast majority of the time, there's no problem at all, but there mm. has been cases of animosity because of those sort of lines. And I'm, to be honest, I wouldn't know where to start to solve that. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't, point, isn't it? yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's like a huge issue. It's just, I, I think it's just something that's interesting to point out. Um, but I, I guess no, <laughs> the, the awful truth, but I think it's also, 
I guess depending on who you are, the, uh, you could definitely benefit from it, especially if there's, um, uh, I understand that, I, I think when, when Eddie hired you, Matt, I think you're, you're also, your, your paycheck was, was just tremendously different from mine, <laughs> let's just say. Yeah, I'm not sure about the start. I think at the start we were on the same rate, but because I carried on, uh, I didn't go back to uni for the following year. I took a gap, like a gap year, and was offered a pretty decent salary for someone who's technically not got a not got a degree, not got anything, which is not a good thing to do in China, by the way. <laughs> do not work on a non-visa. You will get screwed over. And you can end up in quite a lot of trouble. I was quite lucky. I only got screwed over monetarily. <laughs> mm. But the thing is, like, Bill, you've also, you were born in, you know, North America, right? You've had this similar Western experience uh, as Matt. So why was there that that difference where when Matt came in, you and this other guy got, you know, got booted out? That's... The advantage that Matt got sort of undercut, you know, people who weren't white. So, well, right, yeah. Well, I think it's once again like the the, the English language is associated with uh, um, people people who, I guess, traditionally come from a certain place like like the UK or, or the US. Um, but yeah, I, I think like like Matt said, I think it does have to do a lot with the parents. They feel like. Um, if there's a person that doesn't look like them and that um, they should be the ones teaching the language, if if mm. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it makes a complete sense. Um, it's just that, is it fair? No, but you know, what is, what is fair? What is not fair? Um, but I, but I, it's definitely a case where money comes, you know, money talks, you know, parents are willing to pay up to double to have someone that, "Quote unquote," looks foreign versus someone that looks maybe more local. Mm. Um, you know, um, a school I was working for a couple of years ago, they ran two main programs. Um, one was very traditional um, public schooling style, you know, uh, national curriculum. They might they'd see foreign teachers around the school, but they didn't necessarily have any classes with those teachers, or maybe only one or two per week. They were paying less than a, less than half, almost a third, uh, of the um, tuition fees as the other set of the school, which was ten to twelve tuition or like lessons per week with a foreign teacher. So there's wow. definitely a case where if you're bringing more money into the into the school or into the business as such, then obviously your salary is you're going to be worth more to the business. Mm. Not necessarily saying that's a fair evaluation but you know you see that in so many industries these days it could be to do like you know consumer bias or consumer perspectives on what what is good and what's not you know like that stereotype where german cars are usually better or swiss watches belgian chocolate stuff like that is that something that the consumer has the bias of that english should be taught by some specific um like region of people it's definitely a case for it um, I'm not sure if it's entirely founded or not, but it, at least for from the consumer's perspective, you know, the, the parents' perspective, it's definitely something that a lot of them take into consideration. 
obviously we are talking about a country of 1.4 billion people so obviously not everyone's <laughs> going to fit in the same yeah ideals but there's definitely a case as a generalization for that yeah how did you get used to sort of when you first moved there it's like did people look at you like you know alienated because i don't know how how diverse like how diverse the schools are there you know did you have any issues like settling into the workplace at that start um no other stuff i mean like i said i went over to study originally and it was the university we me and bill were in was a very um international university so there wasn't actually that much trouble um my chinese was awful for the first couple of years because the area we lived everyone spoke english a lot of the businesses oh, right. had spoke had picked up a, or even if the staff didn't speak english they had english menus translated just because there was so many uh um foreigners around international students right international students international uh businesses like i think our school was around about 10 15 percent international mm. students and it was a english english was the majority language of the school it was like an intentional thing like even if it was a chinese teacher with a class of purely chinese students the language of instruction was still english mm. so everyone spoke english so it became quite a, it felt a bit weird in that respect of like i'm in china and everyone just speaking you know hello how you doing <laughs> home from home but yeah, yeah um when i moved away from suzhou i moved to a smaller town called taisang which is sort of halfway between suzhou and shanghai and there um it was a lot more local and a lot more Oh wow, foreigner! You know, um, I was driving oh, my, okay. I was driving my uh, bike like um, we call them e-bikes, but they're like an electronic scooter or moped. So I'm going along the road at fifty k's an hour, and a guy just jumps out on the road, and goes stop, 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 and I'm like, Wah! slam on the brakes. What's <laughs> good? I, I thought I'd hit a kid, or so, you know, I thought I'd hit something or done something wrong, and the guy just run. I'm like, wow, ah. and he's like. Can I have a photo? I was like, oh, Whoa. you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> they think of you like a celebrity or something. <laughs> Probably. I'm mean, uh, one of those like reality stars, but. You like, know, we wouldn't get that here. Too. Like, you know, me and Bill wouldn't get that here at all. <laughs> like, That's never. true. No, no one would stop, <laughs> stop, you know, you or, you or I and just be like, oh, can I get a picture with you? <laughs> no, that, that would just be. No, that's unheard of. But yeah, like like as Matt mentioned, like he he kept mentioning he keeps mentioning the word foreigner. That that's what people um are referred to as like when when you're not of like when you don't look like you're from the area, that's what you'll always be re referred to as. Um is yeah, just you're, foreigner. You're Chinese or you're a foreigner. You're not you're not a visitor, you're not a westerner. But there's no negative context with that really. It's not like in I don't know about the states, but in the UK, you know, foreigners got a bit of a negative context. Like it does, you you know, you're seen as this other as such. Whereas in China, it's like, oh, you're a foreigner. <laughs> it's very descriptive, but not there's no very objective, right? Like I noticed it when I was flying between sort of um, Hong Kong and and the mainland. Is that when you uh, arrive in uh, Hong Kong airport? Like you're going through the visa gates and stuff, and it says "Welcome visitors" or you know "Visitor gate." Or visit a line or whatever. 
Whereas when you're on, as soon as you hit the mainland, it's foreigners. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's a minor thing. It's a minor thing, but it was something that you pick up on. Suppose they see it more objectively, right? The definition. It's just anyone who's not a home citizen or whatnot. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, it's like it's got that attachment where it's a little bit more negative, like you say. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, China in itself is also very much not an immigrant country like the U.S. or I, I don't even know if I would call the U.K. an immigrant country. Um, but China definitely, they're way more, um, it's way more uh, like them and the others. They, yeah. they if if you're from the outside, the that, that's, that's still perfectly fine. It's just, you know, you'll get much, you'll get, very different treatment than say if if you were considered uh, an, an insider um but i like the like um like we've been saying all along like that that's not necessarily a bad thing um i think with with matt's experience like i think it's i'm like it, i'm that's pretty incredible that you found an opportunity while you just happened to be studying abroad and then you know this really good opportunity to not only um i guess use your language to your advantage but also to be able to, I guess, I guess make a difference with with um, young younger, I guess, younger generations, and I guess you know helping them learn a language that I guess they're they're sort of um, they've really become pressured to learn. I guess, especially you know those those, um, those Chinese parents who really want you to you know like oh like we want you to be successful, so you need to learn English, like you know that that sort of like that sort of um environment um yeah i th- i think that's incredible matt but i guess could you tell us a little bit about like i guess your your teaching experience um along with with your experience in china just just living wise yeah so for teaching wise i mean i've done most jobs you can do anything i haven't taught in is a university um but i've taught from uh, like preschool, kindergarten, you know, four or five years old, right through to uh, there's a lot of adult teaching of it. Um, a lot of businesses want their staff to learn English. So, you know, I've taught 50, 60, 70 year olds. Well, that's and, a big break. Uh, I'll be honest, <laughs> I, I prefer teaching the younger, I prefer teaching the kids. It's much yeah. more fun. Um, one no, thing I noticed right. was that <laughs> we've because um, I don't know if you talked about it before, but like there's this idea of face in China and like um, you're sort of like, I guess the same in every country, you know, you, you want to, you want to look good in front of people. You want to look, mm, you know, it's that pride, respectable. Is it? yeah, it's kind of a pride thing type thing, but in China it's much more important than we, like in UK, you know, if, if someone messes up, you laugh at him, but it's not, you know, it's like, ah, oh, you may be a bit embarrassed, but generally it's harmless. Whereas mm. in China, that would be taken a lot more seriously. Like, you know, you can't make fun of them just because they're messed up. So, <laughs> <laughs> messed up. That's, I, that's a nice way I, to put it. <laughs> I still do it. It's more fun. Right. <laughs> no one's going to stop me. <laughs> nope. No, sir. Yeah, uh, I feel like in the UK, it's like, if you have an embarrassing moment, it's like, you can just, you know, banter it off and just have a little yeah. laugh with your mates. Whereas perhaps in China, it's like a, Unless you're super close, like if, say, like us three were out and one of us like dropped a glass or something, we we could take 
take the mick out of each other. Sure. Whereas, um, I guess in the UK, if say a colleague did it, you'd you'd still laugh. Whereas in China, a colleague you probably wouldn't. It'd be like a respect thing. Hmm. Um, there's that stereotype, isn't there? Where <laughs> talk about messing up. I can't remember what we started with. <laughs> I mean, even with culture, um, like stuff like paying the bill is very different, right? Oh god, yeah. Um, in China, it's it, you. You'll see not necessarily physical fights, but you will see very <laughs> heated arguments about who's paying the bill. But you're fighting right. to pay the bill, right? Which I love because it's like, oh, you want to pay the bill? Yeah, no problem, mate. You go ahead. Yeah, on that bill. Uh, yeah, no that's problem, mate. that. That you, you, you get all the face you want, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's something that like I like I even had to adjust to like when I was when I first moved there. Like I was like, oh my god, why is everyone paying for anything? This is so nice. And then eventually, like if you keep doing that, people will start looking down on you, and then you know they won't want to hang out with you anymore because they're like, "Why? What's wrong with this guy? Like he's, you know, he's not taking his uh, fillet, fillet <laughs> piety, or you know, the, uh, or you know this, you know, because it's all about uh, reciprocity. You know, once you once someone does something for you, you do it back and and back, back and yeah. forth, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that just flew over my head like the first few months I was there because it was like, it's so subtle and it's so, um, I guess it's it's not very talked about uh, openly. So it's just like if if you don't really um, understand what's going on, it's just like yeah, you'll you'll get free free drinks, free free food, and not not intentionally of course, but that's just like you know people expect you to to fight for the bill, and it's like well. Mm. It's kind of an unwritten rule, isn't it? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like one pays or or you know or none. You fight to the death. I mean, unless you you are the person that's doing the invite. Say like I said, right, let's go out for a dinner tonight. Then I'd be kind of expected to pay because I'm the one inviting. I'm the host. Mm. But if it's just a general, oh, we're going, all, we're all meeting up on a Saturday evening for a few beers or something, mm. then um, that's when you see the. Uh, the fights <laughs> yeah i witnessed so much as a kid like with my parents and when they meet up with theirs and it's like 10 people on the table just watching two people like go head to head and they spend like you know 10 minutes going over it the smart ones they prepay sometimes <laughs> i've had that i've had it where we've been because you know i guess after a while you do start to feel a bit like no it's definitely my turn you know i've, I've had yeah. a few three nights that you know even if I don't care about the face so much, but you just feel a bit like, oh, no, I should definitely pay. And then I've gone to pay the bill at the end of the night and I tend to stay quite late and someone's gone home earlier and they'll go to pay and, and the the uh, manager or whoever will be like, oh, no, you're fully paid. Um, so-and-so paid before you, before you <laughs> when he left. I was like, yeah. Well, that was like two hours ago. <laughs> right. That That's the ultimate. Uh, that's like the ultimate. I guess Chinese thing to do is just like before you even get there, you know, you uh, <laughs> you give them your card information, so you know there's no there's no conflict. It's just you know you've already won before you started. They've won up to you there. They're linking it through Uber, so like Uber takes a ten percent like commission, but then they prepay the restaurant for you, so no one's got mm. a chance. Speaking of like Chinese like pride and culture, do you think like Face-to-face teaching would always 
exist there because we've got all these really good, I suppose, online resources for kids. Um, Duolingo, for example, YouTube, that saved me a few times. Why is it, you know, what's the job security like for you, Matt? Like, you know, are parents always going to be pay, paying for face-to-face? I reckon that there'll there'll always be a market for it. I I think the job might change over time. So rather than the teacher just you know being there to dictate information, it might might change into more of a coaching role, like teaching people how to learn, how to use mm. the resources available. But at least in the sort of short to mid term, I can't see there being a a massive drop in teaching or in face to face teaching. Obviously, it's at, almost... the minute, it's bit, at the minute it's a bit uh, reduced, obviously because of COVID. But sure, um, I've got friends who are like being made, to, or not being made, but you know, being <laughs> being asked to uh, do lessons over Zoom or you know the you know uh, video calls, um, just so there is that aspect of face to face interaction. Do you think it's seen as more as like a? A privileged thing you know some parents might want to see like want to show that their kids are getting you know special one-to-one teaching because you know like in parasite have you guys seen parasite the film yeah. oh yeah. yeah when they have like the, the tutors coming and you know when they're so wealthy it's like they can just be homeschooled you know one-to-one all day as a sense of pride you think it's definitely a, definitely plays a part i reckon you know um there are students I know who have no, the parents have no, um, what's the word? There's no idea for the, for the child to go out of China in when they're older. There's no, there's no idea of that. There's no future prospect of that. Mm. So for them to learn English, it, apart from the token, you know, on the street or, perhaps one or two emails when they're in when they're at work they're not going to face that much english so there is definitely a idea of look at me i can speak english if i want to i don't even need to speak english but i can do it because my mm. parents have got the money right that definitely you know <laughs> it definitely plays a part with some families yeah and and do you th- i guess just just from the teacher's perspective matt um i guess how how much would these parents typically be willing to pay just for like individual uh, tutor sessions? One to one, I'm not so sure, but um, I met a guy in a bar, and his his daughter he was paying, I think it was about forty five, fifty pounds, the equivalent per Whoa. per hour, and that wasn't even one to one. That was um, small group. That was six what? or eight kids in the class man that's like it's quite a lot of money <laughs> yeah it's a few hours it's big I bucks it. yeah no I, I can i can see why you were over there matt just crushing it <laughs> <laughs> i've heard one-to-one i've heard anywhere from sort of 30 right up to 100 pounds an hour depending Whoa. on city depending on you know experience and stuff i know a guy who gets paid 35 pounds an hour not even to speak english with the kid just to play like in the playground with him <laughs> what well, babysitting. There's, there's, yeah pretty much <laughs> jeez but, have you ever been i'm just curious to know like when you 
when you've done private tutoring and stuff, what do they ask from you? Do you just turn up and be like, hey, I'm from the UK? And then like their unconscious bias just says, yeah, look after my kid and I'll pay you like obscene amounts of money. I mean, to be honest, I don't really go out just looking for children. That would that would be weird, I think. <laughs> Parents, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, I have been approaching the street, like when I've been walking or um, shopping. You know, I, you know those days when you just you maybe had a few too many drinks the night before. You're just feeling a bit rubbish. You're just you're there to buy a bit of food and to go home and mm-hmm. watch YouTube all day. So looking like rubbish, just chucked on whatever I've got on, and I've still had people coming up to be like hi do you want to teach my kid i'm like mate i don't even i don't even sure. to say hello at this point <laughs> yeah right. give me a wee chat we'll see what we can do yeah absolutely <laughs> and, and you know uh, you know 600 quiet hour you know my services are are top notch to you uh too bloody right 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 matt you you did talk about um i guess um i guess it, like like drinking in China and, and just just the food in general. Um, I guess did you have any trouble sort of in, adjusting to to such a different, I guess, it, food culture and drinking culture at all? I had a problem. I enjoyed it too much. <laughs> Man, I don't blame you. You went from baked beans on toast to what like chili hot pot and stuff. Oh man! Oh there yeah. Was this, um, Northwest like um, Muslim restaurant. Um, their food was just sublime. You could get this massive bowl of like noodles, beef, spices, everything. And it was like a pound. Wow. And, uh, I think I spent many a good day there. China, I love it, but it did make me make me fat. <laughs> <laughs> like one pound, fuck it, I'll take five. Oh, two bloody. What's the problem? You know, I'm a big guy. I've got a big appetite. Even I couldn't finish it most days. Oh, I, really? I don't believe that. Like that's. The, yeah, the... Can you remember that, that restaurant? Um, it was a little bar type thing, and they did pizza, and the pizza was literally the size of the table. Wow. Yeah, and, and we. I think it was Vic Victor's. It was either Victor or the one around the corner. Basil Cafe. That sounds. That sounds about right. Yeah. No, they had massive pies, and like, that. That's where like all the. Uh, like all the uni university English teachers would go and like just get completely blasted like every night. Teachers just outside. Yeah. Oh, teachers, students, like different culture over there. Different, <laughs> different. And and the and uh, the price of the cigarettes over there, like it's it's like you you wouldn't even see see that type of price in like the the seventies in the U.S. Like it's, they're like less than two dollars over there. For the cigarettes? Oh, I'm just, when when I was first flying over, um, when I first was going there, it was um, I was sort of sitting on the plane. I was going right. I had a bit of a I had a bit of a mad year last year, so right, I'm gonna quit this. I'm gonna quit the smoking completely, and I'm gonna seriously cut down. I'm not gonna drink so much. Maybe once a week. I arrived. I checked into my apartment. I went to the local shop. Back at Marlborough, one pound twenty. A beer is thirty p. And um, how did that, that was, go down? That was six years ago, and I haven't been sober since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this guy. This guy works with kids on the daily. On the daily, you know, but you know, those, those parents will not care as long as you know they have you that. Yeah, as long as they have that, 
you know that that English teacher from the UK that, uh, that's all that is all they need um, but actually I do, I do want to make it very clear I am sober when I teach I'm not I'm not a loser back home <laughs> speaking of you know LBH or not there's always that stereotype of uh, people who who move to Southeast Asia and you know mess around for a year there's that stereotype where they're not as accepted back home for whatever reason they have so they enjoy being a different person elsewhere what's your what's your take on that you definitely see it but from what from my view is that if you're a loser back home you're going to be a loser anywhere oh um, the shade you know, there, there might That's be a fair point there are people you know there's definitely you're considered more possibly more attractive more affluent in a lot of um east asian countries because you're different you know you're you're not you're not the norm as such but from a lot of people's point of you know i, I know people who have got very high careers in china they've got families both you know with um multicultural and you know husband and wife both from america or britain or whatever so you you, you see the whole spectrum mm. Yeah, but oh, sorry. Go on. No, no, I, I was just gonna say coming back to um the, I guess the lifestyle and and everything. Um, I guess not not only were were the um, I guess were 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 the cost of living much lower than than in the UK, um, but in terms of I guess just having fun and say say nightlife or or just going to the pub or the bar, um, that was also um I guess. I, I mean, like, I, I know how it felt, but, like, um, but I guess from your perspective, Matt, was was it more fun, like, going out in, in China than it was in the UK, or was it was it just, like, a different experience? Or, I guess, how would you how would you describe, I guess, having fun in China, like, outside of the workplace? It was uh, definitely interesting, I think, is the best uh, way to describe it. Um, I mean, you're up against Norwich here, aren't we? I mean, so, Norwich is amazing. You know, it's party central of the uh, southeast. Got to represent far east. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were in China. China's massive. Even a tiny city in China, you're looking at a million people. So there's going to be, you know, there's going to be something for everyone. You know, if you if you're there just purely to get as drunk as you can as quickly as you can, there's going to be a bar for that. If you're someone there that wants to enjoy live music, there's going to be a place for that. If you're there to enjoy sports, there's going to be a place for that. Mm. So it's, it's, it's the one thing I would notice that was a novelty for me when I first got there, which was being able to smoke inside. Obviously, in the um, UK, there's been a smoking ban since 2007, I believe. Seriously? So, I don't think that, like, that sounds like very, like, 1980s, 1990s type. No, I guess. It was, it was in the UK. First of July two thousand seven was the smoking oh. ban in the UK. I was nine. I, I wouldn't was... know then. I wouldn't know any different. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, in Hong Kong they still do it. That's how I knew yeah, it anyway. Same as in China, uh, like you can smoke inside. Which, if you're a smoker, when you first go there, it's brilliant. Oh yeah, I don't have to worry about going outside in the cold or the rain. But after the first sort of few weeks, you the novelty wears off when you're standing there in a 
quite in close space with you know because uh smoking's quite a quite a popular thing still over there and you stand there like i need to go outside not for a smoke just just to breathe air yeah yeah it's it's, it's like the opposite <laughs> it's like the opposite there it's like you know people go outside here to, to smoke and then now it's like I'm going to, to escape the long to, to, to escape you know to get some some uh some i guess better quality air no matter you know better how how much better i don't know but you know uh, uh, yeah there's, <laughs> that's true there's, uh, uh, that's a bit, like, my favorite ever like moment in china where it just was like oh, what the hell's going on I'm on the bus driving down, got to a red light, and a guy pulls up next to us on his motorbike. He's got the uh, face mask on uh, as a pollution mask, and he pulls it down so he can have a token on his cigarette. And I'm like, I don't think that's the point of them, mate. I think you're kind of defeating the object. Right. I think I think it's insane how many people smoke in China, like how much, how massive of, of a market there it is like it's i think i think there was some crazy number um in in health like i think it was like eight out of ten males in china they they smoke cigarettes on the regular sounds about right it, which is like it's it's wow. insane that's because there's like that the the whole um the whole smoking if you're a guy thing it's like it's it's, it's a sign of like you know you're masculine you're 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 tough you know you can you're take a real man. you're a real man right you can you can take you can take all those things going into your lungs because if, if you get sick later on, you know, you can also take that. Um, so I think that's just such an interesting, I, I don't know, culture thing, I guess. I don't know, societal. Um, but I mean, it's it's also a huge market for them too. Like how, where else can you buy like $1, $2 cigarettes just for for nothing? Like it's you just go to any store, you get the cigarettes, um, and then you know you can go outside and see a little kid and just be like, "Hey, you want to join me?" And then okay, that, that's that's a little bit dark. That's, that's, a, that's a little yeah. bit dark, but um, yeah, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, Matt does that to his students, like like give me Adult a, students, obviously. give me a good performance you, review. You're gonna get you're gonna get my visa denied. Be quiet. <laughs> nah, you, you teach adults as well, right? You know, you can have a, a post class break with your adult adult students. Just to be clear. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Everyone smokes, but at the same time, a lot of people are shamed for smoking. Kind of an odd, it's an odd, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. Ignore me. Mm. <laughs> Move on. You mean it's shamed? How come? Uh, the same as um, you see in the UK. Um, you know, non-smokers will be like, "Why do you smoke? That's bad for your health." Blah blah blah, mm. which is true, obviously. It's costly as well, right? Oh, in the UK, yeah. Um, if I was to move back here permanently, I would be a non-smoker. I cannot afford, or I cannot justify spending ten pound a packet. Mm. Yeah, same in the states. Uh, but I guess with with drinks, also right? There's there's also a very large um, price difference between, say, like the UK and the Western country or, or like China or I guess other Asian countries. Um, I like, I, I remember Matt, um, like the bars that we went to, like, like Ellen's, you'd get like a massive bucket of just 
rum and whatever else just for like those buckets those buckets oh, right nice. for not even for three not quid. yeah for for uh for for three quid that's that's nothing like like why why would you not want to just i don't know if if you're not only if you're not only getting paid better but you're also able to spend on the things that you enjoy for for um with more purchasing Bonnet. power like it's it's yeah it's it's insane i'd say disposable income wise like um my savings at the end of the year is probably four times as much as i'd be able to save in the uk at least mm. less taxes lower cost of living um salary is the same if not slightly better you know it, it's it's a no-brainer really on the financial side sure so what's holding them back like what would you say to all the teachers in the uk like you know from their perspective what's keeping them here uh obviously, obviously it's a, lot, a, a lot of people just don't want to move a lot of people are comfortable in their home country they don't really fancy the international lifestyle mm. uh, i'd say if you have kids that definitely seems to play a big part i know so many people i lived sort of 5, 10, 15, 20 years even in China, have a kid, and by the time the kid's four, they're back in their home countries. I think there's still wow. this stigma again. Uh, the, the Chinese education system is very intense. You know, you're mm. talking in a state school, you're probably doing 8.30 till 6 p.m. from the age of four or five. It's a, it's a long day for kids, and everything is so exam-focused. Not you know, In the UK, we've got a much more... Exams are important, but you've got the holistic side of it as well. You know, how to be a better person. Whereas in China, it's very much study, 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 study. Academics. Yeah, we've got yeah. some, but to be fair, we, we did have some like useful, useless lessons, right? In secondary school. Oh. Add stuff like citizenship and learn to learn and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, better uses of our time. So maybe a bit more well rounded, I suppose. Maybe not so much time wasting. In the UK, I mean, it depends what you want to. Depends what you're look aiming to get out of a, you know, a young person when they go in, when they become an adult. What do you want? Do you want them to just be purely knowledgeable? Do you want them to have a rounded experience of life? Mm. Do people get homeschooled in China? It happens, but it's not that common. I would say you can choose your own curriculum then, if they went through that option, right? Careful with that word, choose. You know. You know? <laughs> Getting deep there, getting political, eh? Right, right, right. Well, like mm. that—that's that, typically how it is. Like you, you, you're given this, um, this curriculum, and then you're just told to follow it and study it and know it as best mm. as you can. And then, um, in high school, it's like you go through a test. It's called the the uh, uh, gall call, and then that that pretty much determines where you're going. Like for your whole life like if you if you do poorly on it you're not going to get to go to college um it may determine i guess what position you get um later on in life or even say after the, after the exam um but now that i think about it it's not that different from say like the u.s where we're required to take the act or sat just so we can get into a college or uh, a certain program um i guess it's not that different but it, the pressure that uh, Chinese students are, are, I guess, experiencing is it just it's just it's mm. uncomparable mm -hmm. to like anywhere else. I feel like 
in that respect, I'd slightly disagree, actually. I would say the US, and obviously this is an outsider's perspective, the US system is a lot more free and customizable compared to either China or even the UK, I'd say. Um, obviously, when you get uh, get to college, get to university, for a lot of degrees, you'll be able to say you're doing a, I don't know, biology degree, you'll also take modules in history or English or essay writing. There's a lot more of a broad curriculum. Right. Whereas the UK and China, I would say, are a lot more focused, like from the UK, basically your choices at 14, 15, your GCSEs, mm. pretty much can, not 100%, but can limit your options, um, especially by A-level at 16. Mm. If you mm. are like me and you choose biology, chemistry, maths, you can do degrees in those subjects, but you're not, you're unlikely to get a position in, say, like a political sciences course or a history course or an English course because you've made those choices at 16. And then once you are at university, you choose to study genetics, you are studying genetics. Right. You are not studying anything outside of that discipline as such. That's yeah. true. Because in the US, you can do like a major in whatever and switch after their fresh, like freshman year. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it's like, but in the UK, it's like, if I apply to mechanical engineering, like I'm there four years doing that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's a fair point. Like you definitely, once you're in though, you have that freedom to choose sort of what, what you want. But I was just sort of comparing like that test component where it's just like that one test means a whole lot in, to oh, right, where you're right, going. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, Galcal is that make or break, that makes or breaks you. Um, because I believe Galcal is only, there's only like one time per year that can be taken. And then positions at university are based on score and by province. So let's take an example like a, Beijing University, they have 10,000 places. 8,000 of them are reserved for Beijing students, you know, students from Beijing, and the rest of the places are based on other provinces. So mm. unless you score in, and whereas the UK and the US, they probably take your personal statement and your extracurricular into consideration, in China, it's purely based on your school. They will list you by school. And that is the top 100 from that province will go to that school. And if you don't, if you don't make that cut, then you got to wait till next year. So you have a, a lower chance of getting into Beijing if you live outside of it, because there are fewer yeah. spaces for you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's interesting. I think the uh, government are trying, are looking at changing that and trying to make it not so provincial basis. Cause obviously it's, it creates a segregation based on it's not even where you live, it's where you were born or where your family are from. Really? So, so if you move say, there, it doesn't count. Yeah. Let's say your parents are both from uh, Guangxi, just as a, for an example. They might be both be from Guangxi. They may have moved to Beijing and had you in Beijing, but unless they change their residential certificates from, from when they were in Guangxi, then you will be classed as a Guangxi person. Right. It's kind of a, I don't know the entire system. Um, you know, this is. <laughs> That's how it is, isn't it? Chinese <laughs> politics 101. <laughs> it's, yeah, you... no, you can't make it. Yeah, you can't change it, huh? Why do you think yeah. they did that? Like, is it to, I don't know, promote the locals to apply to their 
local university? What's the I, I guess it's a part of that. I guess the other thing is China is just, you got to remember China is just such a massive country. You know, it's four or five times the size, you know, population of the states. It's, it's equivalent in size to the whole of the EU. So mm. if you think of China as like the EU, the Chinese federal government is the EU government. And in each individual country, well, that's your provinces. Even though they're all the same country, it, it works more like that than it does so, a one country with many counties like a UK, say, or even or in US. You have different states in the US. I guess so. you, you, I, the US system is probably more similar to it than me and you would understand. True. Uh, uh, yeah. I, Not 100%. In, in a way, but yeah, no, just China just runs on, you know, everything goes through their central government. Um the the CCP and all that, but I got we we won't dive into uh the uh the political structures of of uh we draw the line there yeah no but it's def it's it's definitely interesting um because like you said Matt there's over like 1.5 billion people in the country and just the amount of competition that all these students have between each other it's just it's just absolutely it's it's nuts it's ridiculous like. I guess, uh, same as most countries, they, they have 13 years, I believe, of compulsory education. But once you hit sort of, I don't even think senior high school is classed as compulsory. So once they hit that sort of age, you're kind of, you're fighting for places. You're not guaranteed a place, mm -hmm. which, and you know, for a lot of people, I guess is uh, if you're in that, if you're in that <laughs> bracket, you know, the high, high achievement bracket, then you're happy. You No worries. But if you're that borderline student, it can kind of determine your life a bit. Right, which bit is unnerving. pretty nuts. That, that's why you got to have, you know, the mats out there teaching you yeah. phenomenal English skills so, you know, you can get you can uh, get ahead. Yeah, um, yeah 600 now doesn't make it, doesn't seem that bad when you're talking about 600,000 <laughs> a year to 60,000 a year. Right, especially if it's going to determine that, that child's, like, career trajectory trajectory that's like you know of course of course parent, parents would be paying would be willing to pay you know that much um sure but. i guess it's not, it's not even just the the pride side of it it's also the chinese family structure you know a western structure once you hit 18 19 your parents still care about you you're done life, you're, kick, you're, you're, you're kicked you're, out <laughs> and and they'll tell you to life. they'll tell you to Where fuck off yeah china is pretty common to see sort of three four generations living in the same house you know uh, mm. i've got friends who um a friend of mine her his girlfriend they, he lives with his girlfriend he's a foreigner she's chinese it's her her parents and her grandparents and she's in her 30s now so they're about to have kids so they're you know within the next couple of years you will have four generations in the same household mm. is that do you think that stemmed from not having enough siblings to kind of share that responsibility to look after your parents as part of that i've looked at research which was saying that it's weirdly a lot of it's to do with food so in countries where there's a lot more of a wheat-based diet so uk america etc where we have a lot more bread and wheat that can be grown individually so there's a lot more of an individualistic lifestyle and culture whereas china where the uh, main crop is rice 
that requires a collective effort to grow. So mm. I reckon, I don't know, you know, I'm not a uh, behavioral scientist, but that, that seems to be play a part of how the cultures have become a lot more collective in China, both in a societal level and in a fam- uh, familial level. Hmm, that's interesting, those. Hey, who knows? I, I, I think China's is definitely changing, though. Like, um, as they become much more city-based, like it was only a couple of years ago where they, the population was majority city-based rather than rural-based. So you might see that culture sort of change quite quickly over the next sort of generation or two. Mm-hmm. How do you think the um, how do you think the future? You know, what would that be like for China in terms of immigration? Do you think more people from like yourself will move over there in the future, or what's the trend like? I mean, do you have a crystal ball? No, I, I, I you certainly might. don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the other thing with China becomes such a massive economy as well. Um, you know, they're they're on schedule to become the biggest within the next however many years. Mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to put my money either way on that if I'm honest. <laughs> Sure. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, we, uh, you know, history, history would dictate countries tend to go more international as they get bigger, but, you know, China, 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 can, different. China, China. <laughs> You're right. It's, mm. I, I guess just, just coming back, like, from, from, uh, from an indi- individual standpoint, Matt, I guess if, say, someone, were to want to get into, um, what you're doing, I guess, how, how would you, how would you, um, I guess, guide them? Like, how, where would they, where would they start? Number one, make sure you've got the right documents. <laughs> it sounds boring as hell, but I have met so many people. I've had so many issues, including myself. You know, I have been that idiot of not going on the right visa and ending up either being messed around and losing a lot of money. I've known people that have been fined had trouble with the police have been deported it's just not worth wow. it it's 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 simply not we can you get away with it possibly for a while we get it get away with it long term very unlikely mm-hmm. uh number two um you don't need to bring everything with you i know so many people that pack their entire suitcase is just full of like um Snacks from home. Uh, <laughs> doesn't sna- last long, does it? That's I met, no, I met this snacks are important, I this, though. I met this woman who brought her um, her fucking kettle with her because she wasn't sure oh, if, she could oh, drink, wow. if she could have her coffee and her tea when she got to China. It was like, tea in China? Hmm. Oh, that's what I think they all right from. there. Yeah. And, like, I can have bubble tea instead. Oh, I love bubble tea. I want bubble tea now. Mm. <laughs> but 99% of products that you can get at home you will be able to buy in China probably like wherever you go probably for cheaper too like there's uh there's that there's that Chinese um I guess you compare it to eBay um or I guess in, yeah yeah Taobao um so on there you can pretty like the amount of things that that I got on Taobao when I was living there was just you know Insane. They they literally have have uh, everything that you could ever ask for, but probably at a lower price than 
what you would probably get from say I don't know um like a western country just because of you you know it's it's manufactured like there so it's they'll it probably you know they probably get it straight from the manufacturer or you know you got someone you know taking it off of the back of a of a truck or whatever um but hey it's 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 crazy how, how um the things that you can get there i'm gunning for a uh for a sponsorship of Taobao. like my life is based on that website when i'm over there <laughs> But the only things I think I found that were more expensive were razors and chocolate, of all things. Chocolate, yeah. Like, but even even then, like, what's a what's a bar of chocolate in the UK? About a pound, let's say. Over there, yep. you may be paying two, three pounds. But the fact is, everything else is so bloody cheap that makes up for it, right? Yeah. You're still gonna, you know, um, drink. Drink is the best one. Uh, what's a what's a bottle of uh, Vodka, where you are, Bill. Sure, it, it, north of like fifteen, twenty dollars. Yeah, I'd say that it was about similar to the UK, isn't it? Yeah, fifteen, eighteen pound per liter. Yeah, try two pound fifty, three pounds. Wow. Yeah, and it's only if you drink a lot. Bloody, no wonder you had such a good time there. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I. Uh, well, I guess since we're on the subject of alcohol, man, I guess I I know you you're a. You're a very avid avid drinker. Um, I guess. Do you have any favorites that that you know after a long day? Do you, do you have a go to or, or you know, I guess what what would what would you say is, is your I guess preferred drink, whether in China, the UK, whatever. To be a gin, I think Tanqueray. Tanqueray gin with a nice tonic water. Beautiful. Classic. Tanqueray. What can't you get here compared to China? Like can't in the bars. Yeah, is um, it like a standard cocktail that they have there? Not necessarily cocktail. I think cocktails aren't. You can obviously get in the, there's bars that have them and stuff, but it's just not really a big thing in China. Most of the things are going to be beer, or if you're going for something harder, it'll be Baijiu. 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 Who's it like, guys? It's lethal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm off. Um, Straight rubbing alcohol. That's what it is. Tiger Bomb. Diesel, I call it. Tastes like diesel. It does. It does. That's like the closest. It, it's like the Chinese vodka. Like it's. I know they were trying to like globalize it, but I, I think uh, people were just like, "What? What the hell is this?" It's a weird. It's a weird drink because I've I've had baijos that are actually really nice and are like a. You know, not they're not a whiskey, but it's a bit like whiskey in that you can have really good whiskey, but you can have bloody awful whiskey. Just uh, China tends to hit the levels either side of that. Like the good stuff is really damn good, but the bad stuff, yeah, you're not waking up for three days. <laughs> yeah, the puts you in a coma. Do you have any like experience? Oh, sorry. So was that? I was just gonna. I was curious to know, like, if you had any, you know, special treatment when you went to clubs and stuff. Because I know sometimes yeah. in international students when they promote the club they get some sort of incentive to kind of come out all the time and spend money. Definitely that first year when me and Bill were there. Um, Ooh, don't remember much, not going to lie. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you got a couple of stories, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't put it all on me. I mean, uh, where to start? Did, did you come to that um, club? Um, I can't remember. I think that like club. R88 or 80, there was a number. That's all I remember. There was a number. 88? Um, 
there was the the promoter. I think his name was like Spicy P or something. <laughs> no, I probably Spicy P. I probably would remember that. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was before we got to know you. Anyway, we got invited to this club, and it was they put on a coach for us to take us from like our school right up to the club. Um, laid on tables for everyone, a bottle of whiskey on every single table, and they sort of told us, "Oh, it's free drinks for all, uh, you know, foreign students all night." All they wanted to do was to take some photos. And there's probably one bottle of whiskey between five, six people. That went in about 25 minutes. Sheesh. Jeez. And then we're like, you told us it was free drinks all night. Like I could see the manager's face just going, jeez. Didn't see this coming. Right. They probably, they probably thought you were like the normal local human being. But instead, you know, you guys, they instead did. We're in. We we we're English people, and we we, we can promise free alcohol. And it's <laughs> he didn't know alcohol runs runs through your blood. English people, if something's free, we're taking it. I don't care if it kills me; it's free. I'm having it. I think that's with like quite a lot of cultures. Why not take it, right? Oh, hundred percent. It's just student. It's what you do when you're a student. Mm, absolutely. Problem is, uh, some people take it right into their adulthood as well yeah and i mean to each their own um but i guess i guess with with that nightlife matt did you um i guess coming back back to school here um did you have any i guess store like stories that stood out to you when um whether they're they were teaching in, that you were teaching in class or, or maybe even at the nightclub if if you don't mind um i guess revealing yeah. revealing to the world like to the world right in what way the the, kind of the hundred the hundred listeners that we have uh no like 100k guys 100 and and i mean anything that stands out to you from from china matt that really sort of like uh that that's like that was a great time or oh shit that was like that's that's very different trying to think of something that won't get me struck off <laughs> no, I do. Um, I did have one very embarrassing story in a class once, which was um, uh, I was teaching and I went over to a student. I, you know, knelt down so I could help him, and I went back to the board, got everyone together, and I'm trying to teach them. And every time I kept facing the board, I just kept hearing giggling, and I was like, "What's going on?" You know, first time, fair enough. Maybe they're just in a hyper mood, whatever. But by the third or fourth time, I'm like, right, something's something's going on. I'm, and no one would say anything. So I did the classic teacher go to the uh, the, 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 the teacher's pet and say, right, what, what's going on? And this uh, young voice just went, um, sorry, teacher, your trousers. I was like, what? And I looked down, couldn't say anything. And then I felt around. And right down the seam, I'd got this massive ladder right from the top of my jean, like my waistband, right through to the crotch. And uh, yeah, I'd managed to um, be showing showing my boxer shorts to uh, every student for about 15 minutes. Oh, that's <laughs> what you want, yeah. That's what you want. That's uh, <laughs> not what you don't want. <laughs> definitely not the highlight of my career, put it that way. <laughs> oh man, I mean, that, that is hilarious. Oh, the thing was, I, I had a class straight after, so I had literally 10 minutes to run home. Luckily, I live right near campus. Get changed. I'm like, right. 
and on my drive home, I'm thinking, please let me have not have a pair of jeans in the wash. Please, please make sure there's there's a pair available. Yeah, well, I'm sure some 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 children, you know, they they probably love to see you know some some nice, you know, some massive know, some massive boxers. <laughs> put, put that on the top tips. Always wear underwear. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, I guess that that kind of um, wraps things up for for our episode here, Matt. Um, I guess well, before we sign you off here, um, do you have any I guess tips um, that you would give for um, just anyone who is sort of doubting or second guessing uh, whether to go abroad or not? It sounds a bit cliche, but just go for it. One hundred percent, just go for it, because. The way I see it, the, what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't enjoy it, you hate it, you have to pay for a flight home. Oh, oh wow, you're out 300 bucks. But on the other mm. side, you might find a career or a relationship or just a country that you, you know, love and you want to stay there for the rest of your life. And yeah, you can meet your future ex-wife in China as well. Oh, 100%. Ex-wife. So, yeah, that's what Matt's looking for. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right. Sorry for those for that I've met Joe about three times over video call, and he is absolutely killing me tonight. <laughs> oh, oh man, he's he's a he's definitely he's a sniper. He's a sniper. He'll he'll yeah. he'll t- he'll he'll take you anywhere. Uh, but yeah, that, that's... taking the low hanging fruit. Don't worry, right? <laughs> I'm sure me and you can get our revenge when we take him to a, a club in Shanghai. Oh, for sure, Matt. I mean, I mean, Joe, you're not. You probably may may not ever make it out of china if, if you know yeah i'll buy life insurance that way all right that, that's good, good enough um right i guess um de- definitely sign off <laughs> <laughs> definitely wanna wanna i guess uh thank matt for his time here definitely would suggest going abroad that that, that is actually how joe and i met and that is how we started this god-awful um podcast um but right so uh, thank you to everyone who did give us a listen um, today. Um, once again, thank you, Matt. If you guys have any questions or concerns or you know, want to know about Matt's experiences, feel free to um, message us on Instagram. That's onemate.onedude. Or shoot us an email at onemate.onedude at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much um, all I have uh, for you all here today. Um, Joe, you, you have anything to, um, to let our, our poor listeners know? Um, no, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for listening to this God awful podcast, like you say. Um, I hope you gained some value out of it uh, from Matt's time here. Um, I just wanted to reiterate how important it is to perhaps get some exposure, right? Get some exposure of international experience and just echoing what Matt said. What's the worst that could happen, I guess? It's, you could find your future ex-wife. Future ex-wife. Oh, yeah. Already got those divorce papers ready. Yeah, yeah. Matt did say paperwork is important, right? That's yeah, that's true. One. That That's, yeah, at least I took something from away from this, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Matt, thank you again. Talk to you all soon. <laughs>